happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. morning peeps and welcome to woke af daily with me your girl danielle moody right here live from the bunker remember to subscribe to pm mood and you get woke af daily for free for the next three weeks so wherever you get your podcast spotify google play apple any of those places subscribe to pm mood and get woke af daily in your feed it is my quarantine gift to all of you. It is another day in quarantine. Uh, I think that here in New York, we are up to maybe day 47, who the hell knows, one day melds into another. But what is keeping my attention and keeping my fury is this administration. I don't know how many more fucking stories we need to break that tell us about how much the Trump administration knew about the coronavirus, how much they decided not to act. Um, Now the latest reporting from the Washington Post tells us that while the United States was telling people not to get masks and not to wear them in public and that they wouldn't need them, that the Trump administration was buying masks from Taiwan for senior officials, You know, it's not enough that Jared Kushner called the federal supply of ventilators ours. It's not enough that Trump is, you know, like an infomercial used car salesman trying to have people believe the hype about the the hydrocoquine pill that is being uh, sold by his biggest donor. I mean, it's just one fucking scandal after another. And in the interim of all of this, of dealing with all of this bullshit on a regular basis, here's another thing that is added to the pile. You know why your stimulus check is going to be late? Because Donald Trump wanted to put his fucking name on it. Because he wanted to sign it, right? So that he could say, I gave you, American person, a check. Right. As if he's cutting it out of his own fucking money. The narcissism, the the ignorance, um, 
really at this point is deadly. There was a rally that was held yesterday, a protest, an anti-coronavirus protest to protest being on lockdown and staying home. Stupid, idiot Republicans decided to gather in mass to protest and say that they believe the coronavirus is a hoax and to own the liberals. They're going to get out into the streets. Good for you. You know what I say to those people? Go lick as many fucking poles as possible. Why don't you go to the grocery store and lick the fucking conveyor belt? Like, if you are that dumb, if you are that ignorant, then by all means. You know, uh, you, you ask yourself, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where people are so um, ignorant that they refuse to believe science, that they refuse to believe facts, that they are just so within, so deep in their tribe and in their bubble that they would put their lives at risk, that of their family and their friends, because they believed this president when he said that this was a democratic hoax. You know, this is what I'm saying when people don't understand that words have power and everyone just kind of shrugs off the shit that Donald Trump says. But there are real people out there, 40% of the population, that believes the things that he fucking says and takes them to heart and believes everything that Fox News says. And they are putting people's lives in danger. If Fox News and Donald Trump did the right thing and told people, you know what? This is actually fucking dangerous. Do you know what happened yesterday? Yesterday was the deadliest day for the coronavirus. Thousands of people died. More people died yesterday than died in the Twin Towers in New York on 9-11. But did you hear Donald Trump mention any of that at his press conference? Did you hear him offer any bit of empathy, any bit of sadness that over 12, 25,000 Americans are dead, have lost their lives? Do you hear him offering any kind word, any word of encouragement to let us know that we as Americans have been through tough times and we'll get through this together? No. He spends his time congratulating himself, congratulating his business partners, patting CEOs on the back. And when he is caught off guard by, you know, real questions from real reporters who ask follow-ups like Paula Reed did, like Yamish Alessandor does, he loses his mind. We are starting to see at least with CNN, that their chirons are actually fact-checking the president in real time as he's speaking. That they are calling out his behavior and not just ignoring it because it fucking matters. All of this, all of this, us being in this moment could have been avoided if we didn't provide Donald Trump with the free airtime that he's been given ever since he came down in the escalator. If we had called out his lies, called out his impossibly childish 
behavior. Maybe Madam President would be leading us in a crisis. And do you know what the women are showing? The women that are heads of state, heads of countries right now? That they have the ability to flatten the curve. You know why? Because I believe that women put less of their ego out front when leading. They surround themselves with the experts if they don't know. Then they ask questions. But Donald Trump, remember, told us some four years ago, I alone can fix this. Right? He doesn't take responsibility for anything that has to do with the virus. But if things start going well, then he's going to take responsibility for that. How does that work exactly? Also, how do you talk about reopening a country that you never shut down? You know, folks, we have 200 plus days until Election Day. Okay. Uh, I will talk with my friends today on the show, uh, former federal prosecutor and MSNBC legal analyst Glenn Kirshner, uh, and we will talk with political scientist and political editor at the GRIO, uh, Christina Greer, and I'm going to unpack, we're going to unpack this moment, right? The things that we are missing in the news, William Barr, Attorney General Barr saying that we need to return to a Christian country. What? We'll we'll talk about the fact that, you know, he's out there bribing the Australians, much in the same way that they did with the Ukrainians, to get more information about how the Mueller report got started. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the fact that Wisconsin pretty much gave the president a big middle finger with their election results. Welcoming back to Woke AF Daily. We are bringing back MSNBC and NBC News legal analyst and former 30-year federal prosecutor Glenn Kirshner joining us to weed through, I guess, guide us through uh, the fact that Trump decided to dip his toes into authoritarianism by expressing this week that he has total control uh, over the states only to then back off of his claims about Democratic governors mutiny. Tell us, Glenn, how this, how Donald Trump is essentially just um, staring in the face of the 10th Amendment and saying, meh, that seems like a suggestion. (laughs) Yeah, good morning, Danielle. That's one of the amendments that Donald Trump doesn't really care for. Loves the Second Amendment, Mm -hmm. not so much the Tenth Amendment. And when you say he dips his toe into authoritarianism, I got to tell you, I I think he has donned a crown. He's put on a robe. He's picked up a scepter and he has sat down on his throne (laughs) because, you know, what, what he completely ignores is that the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, in 27 words, mm-hmm. sets out the balance of power between the federal government and the states. And here's what it says, and then, and then I'll, I'll decipher it a little bit because it's in that old English, right? Right. So the Tenth Amendment just says that the power is not delegated to the U.S. by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively for the people. Now... James Madison summed up what that means in the Federalist Papers, number 45. And, you know, let me just say, I'm going to 
put up James Madison's understanding of the mm-hmm. Constitution against Donald Trump's every day of the week. I mean, James Madison was only not only the founding father, but is often referred to as the father of the Constitution. Right. Our fourth president. Right. Here's what he said. He said that the, the, the powers of the federal government in the Constitution are, and I quote, few and defined and the powers of the state government the state governments mm-hmm. are, and I quote, numerous and indefinite. I mean, the whole exercise um, was to, you know, put limits on the powers of the king. That kind of is the charter of our country. Right. And yet Donald <laughs> Trump stood up on TV and mm-hmm. said, literally, I have total power. And then, Danielle, what was even worse was when... You know, little Mikey Pence, and mm. I hate to talk like that. I shouldn't be that smart, Alecky. When Vice President Pence stood up and co-signed that statement by the president, that unconstitutional power grab by the president by saying, and I quote, that's right, the president has plenary power. Plenary meaning absolute. That really was somehow more upsetting because we know Donald Trump has never read the Constitution, but Mike Pence probably has more than once, and he actually knows what an outright liar he is being when he co-signs the president on having absolute power and authority. But they don't care about being caught in lies. So Donald Trump makes this declaration, then he takes to his favorite platform, to Twitter, to then say that the Democratic governors, right, who are organizing amongst themselves, and why are they organizing amongst themselves? Because there's no federal leadership. Mm -hmm. Right. So they are left to essentially design their own plans. The Northeast, the the West, they're all organizing. And he says that that is an act of mutiny. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. And we've known for three and a half years that we've had a president unhinged. But, you know, the, the, the problem is we have a presidency unhinged mm-hmm. where there is nothing controlling You know, how the presidency operates these days, you would have thought that, you know, responsible Republicans would have stepped in and said, you know, the Republicans for all time have been states rights kind of people. They are all about limiting the federal government's Mm -hmm. power. I mean, how often did they complain about President Barack Obama wielding too much power and trying to assert himself? In ways they asserted that the that the conservative you know leaders in the country asserted was unconstitutional because the power resides in the states by by design. The Tenth Amendment says the power resides in the states and the people, except for those very few things that the federal government gets to do: raise armies, collect taxes, nominate judges. I mean, there are a very few things left to the president and everything else resides in the state and the people. So you would have thought that these Republicans who have believed that to their core, mm-hmm. if they're going to be taken at their word for all time, would now be telling the president of the United States, look, sport, that is not the way this stuff works. But we have both a president and a presidency that seems to be completely unhinged, completely unmoored to the rules that govern our country. You know, yesterday, Governor Cuomo 
uh, my governor took to his normal briefings uh, and essentially provided Donald Trump and America uh, with a lesson in the Constitution um, and went over what it is that governors can do, right, which is run their states. Mm -hmm. I think that after that, you know, I don't know who tapped Donald Trump on the shoulder and and whispered in his ear and said, you know, you can't tweet that. You know, you can't do these things that you're saying that you're going to do, such as just magically reopen a country you didn't shut down. And, you know, I, I wonder, do you think that what this 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 exercise in stupidity that Donald Trump is engaging in do you think that it will show people just how little power the this this particular president has? Yes. Or, ordinarily, I would say yes, Danielle. However, what if the president continues to up the ante? Now, it looks like he hasn't because he's. it looks like he's, I don't want to use the term punking out. It looks like he's backing down, right? And some of his more recent tweets and in, in his... Um, campaign rally masquerading as a press conference last night, he was like, well, I'm going to let the governors decide, but I'm going to urge them to open immediately or almost immediately. So it looks like somebody has tugged on his sleeve and said, look, sport, you can't order them to open. You can't order them to close. You can't order them to do anything. And maybe they put like a cartoon version of the 10th Amendment in front of him, little schoolhouse rock lesson. And they said, Look, Mr. President, you actually can't do what you just told the American people you're going to try to do. So it looks like he's backing down. But then the question becomes, does he ratchet it up again? And does he say, you know what, I don't just like you, you know, you can see that his advisors over time tell him you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And as even Kelly said, if left to his own devices with yes, people all around him, he will be impeached. Because his instincts are just that bad and his understanding of the presidency is just that poor. And in fact, he was impeached. But will he will he get that, you know, impatience again? Will he ratchet it up? And will he say, listen, I've decided. Don't tell me I can't do it. I'm ordering the, the states to open their economies, to open their businesses. And if they don't, hey, military, you all busy right now? And then what do we have? Do we have, you know, National Guards from various states up against our our military. I mean, let's hope. But, not. And but, I know but, but I mean, what would they do? Crazy. Go and knock on go and knock on doors and pull people out by their shirt collars and say that you have to go to work. Yeah, there's no practical way to sort of set out or design how it would work because it, it shouldn't work because that is not our system of government. My fear is always Donald Trump, because he doesn't understand and he doesn't honor our system of government, may try to do something, you know, tomorrow, even crazier than today. So all of the blame that Donald Trump is trying to shift, right, he is trying to shift the blame of not taking any um, thoughtful, actionable measures to keep Americans safe, right? He had a two-month head, head start. He squandered it by calling this pandemic a hoax. He yeah. has blamed China. He tried to, you know, change the name of the virus, right? Uh, into essentially a, a racist epitaph. Um, and now he's cut funding to the World Health Organization in the midst of a global pandemic. Yeah. His recklessness causes lives. It costs lives. It costs American lives. There's no two ways about it. 
But is it a crime? This is, this is the question that I keep coming back to because we call them criminals. We know that he has been impeached. It is just, it has just been brought to the attention um, by the Daily Beast that William Barr, right, <laughs> in the midst yeah. of negotiating uh, hostages, who, who knew about this? I didn't. Uh, hostages being released, uh, Australian hostages being released from Iran. Well, Barr um, needs a favor, though. Was another friggin' favor from a yeah. foreign leader as it pertains to the Mueller report. How, Glenn? Yeah. How? I, I, I don't know. You think, it, Danielle, that, and, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. Bill Barr is globetrotting, basically um, engaging in quid pro quos with foreign governments, saying, oh, you want X, Y, and Z from the United States? You want our help in releasing some uh, bloggers that are being, Australian bloggers that are being held in uh, Iran? We need a favor, though. We need you to help us unravel the origins of the Mueller investigation. I mean, that... You know, that's we don't do criminal justice by quid pro quo. I mean, and we can talk all day long about how, yes, we plea bargain. And isn't that a form of quid pro quo? And I, we can have a robust debate on that. Um, but he is running around the globe leveraging the United States power to give other countries what they want, as long as those countries will help undermine the Mueller report and help work to the advantage, the political advantage of Donald Trump. I mean, you know, just when you think it doesn't get any more dangerous or any more unhinged, we learn about this, I think, yesterday. We got this article. I, it, it is just, yes, we got it yesterday. I, I, it, I, it, there just seems to be no end. Yeah. There seems to be no end, Glenn. And in the and midst of criminal. all of this, they still continue to appoint judges. Like, yeah. I, I mean, what does the end look like? The end looks like an enormous blue wave. Look, we just got encouraging results from Wisconsin, mm -hmm. notwithstanding Trump's best efforts. The, um, the candidate for the Wisconsin Supreme Court that Trump was backing got trounced, got trounced as an incumbent, mind you. Right. So this is just a continued indication that the blue wave that was building in 2018 during the midterms continues to build. And here's what it looks like, in my opinion. Once it sweeps um, Vice President uh, Biden into power and he becomes president, he actually appoints people who will govern, who will lead from a place of honesty, integrity, empathy, compassion, decency, and a genuine concern for the working class and for the least among us in our country who need their help the most. They will actually lead from that place. But here's the other thing they have to do. They have to investigate this criminal cabal that is the Trump administration. And it's Trump, it's Pence, it's Pompeo, it's Mulvaney, it's Barr, it's Mnuchin, it's all, and it's Jared, it's Ivanka. It's all of them, not as retaliation, not as what's called pejoratively victor's justice, mm -hmm. but actual justice. It's not vindictive. If there have been people committing crimes in plain sight, but because they've enjoyed the protection of the party in power, they haven't been investigated. It doesn't make it retribution or revenge or retaliation when the other party comes into power and says, We've see, we see all these crimes that have gone unaddressed. We now have a responsibility to investigate them, and if the evidence supports it, to prosecute them. 
So that's why all of these crimes will have to be investigated. And if the evidence supports it, they'll have to be prosecuted. Let the criticism come. Let people say, you're just being vindictive. Mm -hmm. No, we're not. We're just belatedly enforcing the laws. Do you think that, you know, Joe Biden is coming off of the height of endorsements, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, From Bernie Sanders to Barack Obama to now Elizabeth Warren. Um, Does he make this, right? Holding Mm -hmm. Trump responsible uh, for all of his criminal behavior, for all of his actions against the United States. Does he make that part of his campaign? That's a great question. I I think he's already on record as saying, I will let the attorney general do what the attorney general is supposed to do, independent of the White House and independent of the president. Investigate what in the world went on, and then, if appropriate, bring prosecutions. That, I think, is the right balance to strike. So I don't, as much as we all, you know, and here's why that question is difficult to answer, and Mm -hmm. I can... I can I can argue it both ways that I can argue the upside and the downside of answering that question both ways. Here's why it's so difficult to answer. We already have virtually an indictment, a 10 count indictment, and it's volume two of the Mueller report where there are 10 felony obstruction of justice offenses that are documented in there against the president. Ordinarily, we need an investigation before we can say, should Joe Biden make as a plank of his platform that these People will be prosecuted. Um, we already have an indictment. So it's, it's, we're already 10 steps down the road mm-hmm. to answering that question. Yes, of course, there must be prosecutions because we've already seen that the crimes have been committed. But I still think VP Biden is taking the, the sort of thoughtful, principled, conservative approach of saying, when I'm elected, I will let my attorney general do what an attorney general is supposed to do, independent of the White House, investigate and, if appropriate, prosecute. You know the question that I ask you all the time just because I need to, you know, I, I need to calm my nerves. Can this president move the election? Not lawfully, but when has that ever stopped him? Correct. So the answer is he will try. And ordinarily, mm-hmm. the, the, the law would disallow it. But unfortunately, because... Bill Barr is the one who determines what the law will and will not allow. I fear Bill Barr will enable him, will find some ridiculous argument to make that in this time of national emergency, there is some legal vehicle that allows the elections to be postponed, even though he would be wrong about that. But he's been wrong about so much else before. So what would stop Barr from being wrong again? And telling Trump, you know what, Mr. President, I think if we close one eye and turn our heads a certain angle, Mm -hmm. we can find a legal vehicle to postpone the elections. What what in the world is going to stop Donald Trump and Bill Barr, that corrupt tandem, from trying to do that? I think they'll fail. Is there there anything? I think they'll fail. I think they will fail. Okay. But I think it's going to be a Donnybrook. Hold on tight. It's going to be a battle royale, and hopefully, you know, what is right and fair and just and lawful will win the day, we'll have the elections in November, and Trump will be swept out 
you know, of the Oval Office. I pray that you are right. I, I, I really do. Because every single day, you know, something else, it, 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 it's like they just throw everything at the wall. And in this time of great anxiety and great strife, they know that we can't possibly pay attention to it all. Like when I saw the report about the Aussie prime minister, I said, dear God, mm-hmm. like this is this is just but 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 months after impeachment. And this is what they're doing. So one can only imagine what happens if they aren't stopped, if we the last frontier do not stop them in November. God help this country. Yeah, and Donald Trump knows the only way to stay out of prison is to get reelected. I've never seen the defense in a criminal case of reelection, but that is his only defense. It's the only thing keeping him out of jail. Yep. yep. And, you know, when people's backs are against the wall, they will do pretty much anything. And I know that in your 30-year career, I'm sure you've seen it all. But this yep. is still uh, absolutely shocking coming out of... A, a a president of the United States. It's, it, it's still, I, I reserve, you know, I, I am often not shocked by Donald Trump anymore, but it's just the brassness of it, the boldness of it, it is, is just jarring to me and how Republicans are just lockstep, right? Oh, states rights, yeah. states rights, states rights. And then, no, he's the total authority. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to you? What happened to you? Isn't this the basis of your party? Just absolutely bizarre. Well, Glenn Kirshner, thank you so much for keeping your legal eye uh, on this corrupt administration. And we will talk to you again in a week to see what we're digging ourselves out of then. Thanks, Danielle. Keep up the good fight. Thank you so much. So happy to welcome back to Woke AF Daily political scientist, associate professor at Fordham University, Dr. Christina Greer, and politics editor at The Grio. Girl. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, so we look, I don't know why we still have to use the, the word presumptive nominee. It looks like we have a nominee. Uh, in Joe Biden over the past 72 hours. He has been endorsed by everyone that matters um, from Bernie Sanders to Barack Obama to Elizabeth Warren. Um, Reactions. How are we feeling about these endorsements? Do we, you know, they, they came right a hell of a lot sooner than in 2016. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So in, in that respect, I feel like we're doing well that it's April and here we are. Uh, in the midst of a global pandemic, but now we have an active uh, nominee. What what do you what do you feel about it? I think the endorsements are great, you know, in the sense that they came earlier, as you said. But what needs to come also with the endorsements is the work. Yes, right. Like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren had some really strong grassroots supporters who do not like the centrist wing of the Democratic Party. They specifically don't like Joe Biden and. He's going to need them to really articulate to their bases why having a Democrat in office is so important. And it's been so frustrating to talk to, you know, some of my students who are, you know, hardcore Bernie Sanders supporters, and they're just like, I just can't vote for Biden. It's like, do you not understand the existential threat of the second term of Donald Trump? And I think that, you know, seeing Democrats coalesce, really diverse Democrats, ideologically diverse Democrats, coalesce around Joe Biden, I think shows 
certain members of the Democratic Party how how these leaders uh, really feel about like the future of not just the party but the country. Right? It's like, listen, we got to play the hand that we had, and so we need to play it as best as we can because I don't think economically, intellectually, I mean, you know, seeing how the president is handling this pandemic. I don't know if our democracy can withstand another four years, and I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm being, I'm saying that as someone who studies the Constitution and studies other democracies around the world, and saying like this is not a sustainable uh, existence for us. I, you know, it, it's funny because I, I, I always say like I'm not being hyperbolic here. You know, in the same in the same vein, because I'm like, you would think that our republic, which is you know old not in comparison to, you know, thousands of years, uh, like other like other nations, we're still fairly young. But you yeah. would think that our 200 and what is it, you know, 50 plus so years, yeah. 50 plus years could withstand four bad ones. But that is not the yeah, case. Yeah, but it depends on what kind of bad ones. You know, I mean, we've had incompetent executives before, mm-hmm. but, you know, in a globalized economy, we need someone who understands and respects um, not just the rule of law within our nation, but how we play in the sandbox with others. And so black women, per usual, are canaries in the mine. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones who are like, listen, danger is ahead. Because danger, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and danger, girl. So it's like, come on, Molly, get into mm-hmm. it. Like, <laughs> we're the ones who told y'all in 2016 this man doesn't understand economics. Right. He's he's tanked every single company he's been given. Correct. How do you fail at a casino? I mean, come on. It's a casino. The house always I literally somehow, thought that was like taking candy from a baby. I right? mean, well, like, listen, when, when George Bush, you know, tanked a baseball team, I was like, you mean an American baseball team? Like, America is baseball. How do you, how do you tank a baseball team in Texas, for Pete's sake, where sports is king? So it's like, you know, looking at, Someone like Donald Trump, who's a grifter, he's a liar, you know, he's a misogynist, he's a racist, he's a xenophobic. I mean, all the things. Right. And we told people all the things, but then you still had folks who were just like, well, my candidate didn't win in the primary or my candidate didn't, you know, do what I want. And so they just packed up their marbles and left and not, they never thought like, oh, children in cages. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. It's like, hey, guess what? You not being able to go to work has something to do with you. You being stuck at home trying to educate your children has something to do with you, you know, and so I think that far too many Americans just never saw what I would say black women saw in the danger of a Trump presidency. And unfortunately, we're hearing kind of like whispers of that same kind of bad behavior. And then in addition, you know, this is for the two of us who spend a lot of time, you know, in the media talking about politics. Mm -hmm. There were also quite a few people in 2016 who did not have any qualifications to talk about politics. They're smart in their respective fields, but it's like, why are you telling people not to vote? Why are you telling people to vote for Jill Stein or, you know, Gary Johnson? Because, hey, it won't make a difference. You know, both of the candidates are the same. They absolutely are not the same. And whether you like Hillary Clinton or not, you cannot deny that this woman reads. She's smart. You know, <laughs> the fact has, that you led with she reads. Um, I mean, listen, she reads. She like, reads. And, and, she and, reads. And, 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 you know, and is intellectually curious. Uh, yes. Two defining characteristics of a president that I believe and you should have. With, and surrounds herself with people who are intellectually curious. And, and she and Barack Obama both surrounded themselves with people who like, you know more than I do on this particular topic. So let's talk about that for a minute, because I really think 
that the most important uh, characteristic of a of a president, right, is recognizing what you do not know, mm-hmm. and then having the 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 wherewithal, right, to go mm-hmm. find those people who do know, right? And like when this, you're the this president is when of the United States, value, when we value experts and expertise. Right. But when you're the president of the United States, like Barack Obama would just be like, "Oh, I'm interested in string theory. Let me." Mm-hmm. invite the the you know the leading scientists who understand string theory let right. me just have a conversation with them because i'm curious right and so like no we're probably not going to get anyone you know as intellectually curious as barack obama anytime soon but you know we had some talent on that stage right we had 22 people on those two stages a lot of them were really smart like a lot of them you know would have been really great in governance and they already were pretty solid in governance you know and they cared about They were public servants, which I think is also a fundamental difference. You know, Donald Trump is not a public servant. Let's talk about the fundamental differences right now. Just just in terms of uh, there's an article that has been trending. And I think that this is interesting for the both of us because we're both black women. But there's an article that's been trending that Forbes put out um, uh, a couple of days ago. And it said, and the title is, what do countries with the best coronavirus responses have in common? Women leaders. Mm -hmm. So Germany, Taiwan, New Zealand, Iceland, Finland, Norway, Denmark have all managed to flatten their curves. Right. Mm -hmm. And it is phenomenal to me that no one other than this article is talking about this. right? Right. The fact that it is all women who have been doing the most, right? And then you have Donald Trump. And we're talking just now about Hillary Clinton being obviously one of the most qualified people to ever run for president of the United States. But and the, I put Elizabeth Warren in that category too. And Elizabeth Warren surrounding themselves with the right people, creating the right plans. What do you think it is about women leaders in this particular moment that is serving their countries? as a, a juxtaposition against the bumbling idiot man right. that we have, that 53% of white women voted for because they right. didn't trust themselves. Well, let's also be clear that white women are the keepers of patriarchy and always have been, right? I mean, this is how you have U.S. chattel slavery existing for 400 years. It's not men alone, right? It's like women, women kept that going too, white women. And so I think, you know, all the political science literature and all the um, business literature says you know, women are more collaborative. Like we see this all the time when people observe, you know, college students, you know, in projects, you know, women tend to be the ones who volunteer to, you know, do the heavy lifting, even though the male in the group will, will present the, the report. You know, I see this all the time when I break my students off into groups. It's like, okay, so it'll be a group of three women and one man. And, you know, I hear them, I hear all the, the ideas floating around. And then it's like, okay, so I need someone to report out to the group. And, the, the male reports out to the group, even though they're three women who had all the ideas, right? And so we know that women are much more, this is the, the economics and the business literature, women are much more likely to say like, you know what, I'd rather the result come out and, you know, me not have all the credit and just have like the right result. You know, like I don't need to sort of make it me, 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 I, I, I. I don't need to put my name in the memo section of a check for the stimulus package that will delay people getting their checks just because I need to have my name on it. You know, like right. women tend to be less narcissistic when it mm-hmm. comes to executive level leadership and much more collaborative. 
So it is a much, um, it's a wider net of ideas that women will then synthesize and put forward. So the listening skills, I mean, we, we see this all the time as educators, you know, who waits to talk versus who listens. And those are two totally different things. Um, and we know, but from a very young age, you know, bad behavior in boys, is sort of celebrated and sort of excused away mm-hmm. um, and tolerated in a way that it's not with women. I mean, my favorite example is always when um, I, I just gently, when I break my students off into groups, and I'm just like, I just want the women in the, in the class to just, before you volunteer to be the scribe, think about how many times you volunteer to be the scribe. Or if you're in a group where people are like, oh, Danielle, can you take the notes? Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's just, this happens at a very young age, right? And so just making them aware and time and time again, every single semester, I've been teaching almost 15 years now at the collegiate level. Actually, I've been teaching 15 years at the collegiate wow. level. Um, time and time again, you have boys who will say, oh, well, Professor Greer, I don't want to be described because my handwriting is terrible. And it's like, well, your handwriting is not going to get good if you're never described, huh, honey? So, like, get to writing, you know? But it's so interesting how um, boys are allowed to sort of just kind of say, like, oh, yeah, I have bad handwriting, so I don't want to do it. I, you know, I can't do it. And it's just like, that's, that's something minor, but it goes into a larger um, psychosis of mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we see because we know if you're the scribe, you're participating, but you're not re- you're not actively participating because you're trying to write down what is being said by others. Right. And so in this moment where we have someone like Joe Biden, mm-hmm. you know, who lots of folks are, you know, still licking their wounds about Bernie or whomever else they supported. Um, you know, is he ideal? No. Is he the same as Trump? Absolutely not. And I think that's the frustrating piece when I talk to especially young people who, you know, really wanted Bernie. And it's like, listen, first of all, you need to understand how institutions work. Second of all, you need to understand the ideological diversity within the Democratic Party and people who don't live in major cities, right, and who aren't young and progressive. And yes, he said a lot of things that make sense. But when we think about how they would work in an institutional structure that we that we have, it's like, I'm not saying we can't imagine a better America. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm also saying it's like, the type of sweeping change he wants, it's like our institutions aren't set up to satisfy that right now. Right. So we can adopt some of it, but like, let's be clear, the, the framers set it up specifically so that we wouldn't have someone who had some like, ooh, I've got new ideas, let's all change the ship. It's like, no, no, no. They wanted it to be turning around the Titanic in a bathtub on purpose because <laughs> as, as much as you have good ideas from, from a person like Bernie, you could also have bad ideas from a person like Trump. It's like, Luckily, our institutions are serving as a stopgap so that, you know, they're, they're, they're breaking down and they're faltering. But at least they're serving as a stopgap so this president hasn't been able to come in and just become a complete and total tyrant um, with zero checks and balances and, and zero stopgaps for us. I mean, isn't he a tyrant? Because, you know, when the man announces... No, I said total tyrant. He's definitely a tyrant. Okay. I said total said, tyrant. I said total tyrant. <laughs> Let me ask you something. You know, we have, you know, 200 plus days until Election Day, if in fact we have an election. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, my co-host of Democracy-ish, Torre, who you know, um, who says he really needs to be in love with yeah, Joe Biden. We, and he wants Joe this. Biden 
to like fight for his vote and this, that, and the other thing. And I keep telling Torre to get over it. Um, and that like w- w- the, this decision is, is now literally between life and death, right? Mm-hmm. Like what, do you, mm-hmm. like, what do you want? Do you want more Americans dead? Or do you, you know, uh, uh, and that would mean the continuation of a Trump presidency, or do you want um, uh, to live, right? Like our our right. entire democracy is on a ventilator right now, okay? Right. Um, and right. motherfuckers getting ready to pull the plug. So, mm-hmm. I, 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 what what does what does Biden need to do to persuade uh, the 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 passionate? Right. The the folks that are, are so passionate um, and, and need to feel like they're going to the polls for something and not against something. Right. And I think that's where Bernie can assist him in articulating that message to the people who really support, you know, progressive ideals. I mean, I tend to be like, listen, you know, black folks have been voting for racists and people that they dislike for a long time. Sure. I would love if, if we would have this ideal perfect candidate, but that doesn't exist. And so for me, at least, as you said, we're now in life and death, not just as far as our populace is concerned, but as far as our democracy is concerned. So I tend to be more of the camp where it's like, you know what? Sure, that would be cute and great. But like, get over yourself, get your behind to the polls and vote to make sure that Donald Trump is not the president. Because if we have four more years of Donald Trump, like, is Biden going to be perfect? No. No. Can he be pushed? Yes. yes. He's closer to Bernie Sanders than Donald Trump is. You know, and Donald Trump tries to play footsie with the white nationalists who support Bernie Sanders at times. And so, like, that's where the similarities sort of begin and end. But, you know, Biden's much closer ideologically to Bernie than Donald Trump ever will be or the incompetent band of, you know, individuals he has as his minions in his administration and so, yeah, sure. I, ideally, I would love for someone to call me up. Mick, Chrissy, what can I do to get your vote? But right now, I'm like, as my grandmother said, we got bigger fish to fry. So, like, why can't we work on making sure that this man, as imperfect as he may be, mm-hmm. getting Joe Biden in office, because at least we know that he would have competent people who share the ideas and values of, say, a Bernie Sanders candidate. He will. He has to. Because of the ideological diversity and if he wants to get anything done. And so this kind of purity test of, you know, Joe Biden doesn't pass, you know, this this progressive purity test. I'm just like, no, he probably doesn't pass the test. You know what? But there is a difference between, say, uh, <laughs> I used to always say it's like, you know, asparagus and <laughs> I'm just going to be very frank. Asparagus and shit both smell bad, but they're not the same, right? <laughs> so it's like, I'd rather go with asparagus. Come on. Okay. And so I, I just, I think there's a level of frustration because, and I've, you know, I've thought with Tori about this quite a bit, where it's like, that's a, a level of a privileged position where we're just like, oh, Joe Biden doesn't satisfy me. And so, and it's like, so what are you going to do? You're not going to vote? You're not going to vote and give this man, I don't care that you live in New York, but it's like, so you potentially give Donald Trump another four years. We haven't even talked about children in cages in weeks we i mean we we have we haven't talked about just just to put it in context we have been under uh lockdown today is like uh 45 days right girl i've lost track yeah i only have three days of the week girl yesterday today and tomorrow come on (laughs) um and 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 two times a day the time i drink coffee and the time i drink bourbon um right (laughs) 
So <laughs> we've been under this lockdown for some 40 something days. And in that time, no one has uttered shit about what is happening at these detention centers mm-hmm. where what mm-hmm. the coronavirus cases are there. We're talking about regular prisons, but not the ones that this administration has purposely created for our undocumented mm-hmm. people. We know nothing right. that's happening. To say nothing about the low key deportations, we know that you know yeah. African and Caribbean non-documented people are 10% roughly of the undocumented population, but 20% of the deportations. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what is ravaging our communities? We still haven't recovered from the 2008, you know, great depression. And now, I mean, back then, you know, it affected a lot of Americans, but not everybody here. Everybody's on lockdown. Correct. Right. Like I can't just go to London and hang out with my friends. Cause it's like, Ooh, this sucks here. Let me just go to London and hang out. Everybody's on lockdown. Right. When you have the mob who can't make money, like there's been some really interesting articles. It's like the mob can't make money right now because they don't have any sports going on. They don't have any casinos. They don't have any vetting. They don't have any restaurants. Like it's yeah. like when they're struggling, like you messed up, Trump, especially when we have Obama on record saying we are funding this organization and we're funding, you know, this research and we have these people on, you know, in my cabinet, on staff, because no, we haven't had a global pandemic in, you know, almost a hundred years. But it's possible. But hey, guess what? We're due for we're due for something mm-hmm. sometime soon. I mean, there was a really great piece, you know, because um, I, I follow sports quite closely, but how the um, uh, the U.S. Open has paid for kind of like basically pandemic insurance for. Um, I think 17 years they've paid $2 million a year for insurance in case they ever have to cancel the U S open. And people were like $2 million a year, but you know, they make so much money. I mean, this is one of the great legacies of mayor Dinkins of New York, um, bringing the U S open to Queens. Mm-hmm. And so they've put out $34 million. Well, this year, guess what? There's no U S open. And so they're insured for like $130 million. Like they're good. Yeah. If the insurance company still has money. Right. And so, but we've never seen, you know, I, I was circulating an article this morning amongst my professor friends. It's like, you know, we might not go back to school in the fall. There's a very large chance that we will not be in class in the fall. There are a lot of parents who a won't have the fifty, sixty thousand dollars to pay for their kids to go to school. And B, yeah. they don't want to pay fifty, sixty thousand dollars for some zoom classes. Right. Cause we all know, when you go to college, you're only in class for like 10 hours a day. It's all the other stuff that makes college just such a worthwhile experience. You know, hanging out with people from other other places, other backgrounds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the clubs, you know, that you're a part of and the social organizations. And if you're not doing any of that, what am I paying for? What am I paying for? To see Chrissy Greer on a computer screen for an hour and 15 minutes twice a week? Like, I think that's the calculus that a lot of parents are going to make. And, you know, it's like, yes, I've still been keeping up my level of instruction and trying to be as engaging and exciting as, is you know, trying to replicate that process. But it's very difficult. You know, it's like, I've never taught online before. My teaching style is very much of a tactile, making sure I sort of curtail every lesson to sort of all 35 students in the room. It's very difficult when I'm on Zoom and I'm kind of scrolling back and forth, you know, and it's hard for people to pay attention when they're sitting in their bedroom you know, looking at a computer screen. You know, it's just our world is going to change fundamentally. And the way we learn, the way we engage, the way we vote, the way... The way we shop, the, the way, way we, we dress. shop, the way we dress. <laughs> I mean, all of these things, like, 
are going to be upended. But, and, well, and you know what I, I've been thinking about, though? It's like a, a good friend of mine uh, went to work one day and came home and her apartment building had burned down to the ground. Oh, God. And all she had were her work clothes and her exercise clothes because she'd gone to the gym and came home and nothing was there. And I was so inspired by her because she decided I'm not going to just buy, you know, buy everything and recreate my whole, my old life. I'm going to buy new things and try new things and sort of create a new life after this fire, you know? And I'm really curious and a touch worried as to how we will be as a nation. It's like, there are a lot of things in this country that weren't working, but in our haste to get back to quote unquote normal, which no longer exists, Mm -hmm. will we actually try and replicate old models just because that's, it feels comfortable to kind of go back to where we were. And it's like, I don't think we can ever do that. So this is the time to envision what our democracy could look like in a new way. You know, and this is where Joe Biden should and could lean on Bernie Sanders and sort of say, it's like, okay, so I, I initially said these things, but that's, that was in the past. So now how do we think about this world where it's like you've got you know, middle-class folks that will never be okay again, especially middle-class folks of color. I think that, you know, I've said many a times that I believe in the Phoenix, the idea that you need at some point in time to burn shit down in order Mm -hmm. to rise anew, Mm -hmm. that there is um, fertile ground to be created in the ashes. But I think that to the point that we're going to try and replicate what was done and we know what has failed, but we're going to replicate that out of comfort, right? Because you Mm -hmm. find comfort in what is perceived to be the norm, the routine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that what this situation is forcing in all of us is the stretching that is needed. And it is painful. Mm -hmm. Growth is painful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's what this moment calls for. There's a reason, you know, if you are one of those people that do believe that there is a reason for everything. And I don't necessarily believe that, but I do believe that this virus came for a reason. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I, I do believe that, you know, in this moment, we are forced inside nature, mother nature, because needs a break from humans and the trampling that we have done uh, on this planet. And we need to right the ship, but she doesn't trust us to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So she's like, y'all go to your rooms because I have to fix this. I was was giving you warning signs time and time again, right? I kept giving you warning signs. Like, what did you think these hurricanes and tornadoes were? What did you think these earthquakes were? Right? And it's like, and we weren't listening. So it's like, well, you know what? Now everybody gets to sit down. Take a yeah, now everybody gets to sit down and take a breath. And I think get to come back. The buffalo, the, the butterflies, the, get the to come back. dolphins get to come back. The 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 birds, the bees get to come back. I think that in this time, this pause, as as our governor Cuomo refers to it as a New York pause, I think that our democracy needs to pause, um, mm-hmm. and it has right. It is halted under Trump, and I and I believe that this is a time for bold imagination, bold right. recreation, and even you know I know that. <clears throat> You know, yesterday I said to you, I said, oh, well, you know, what did you think about uh, Barack's endorsement? And you're like, eh, you know, it was, you know, he, he did what he does. Right. Yeah. But what I felt about it 
And what I appreciated is when he said, you know what? Let's not look to the past. Mm -hmm. Because if I ran today, I'm not running the same campaign I ran in 2008 because the world is completely different. Right. Right. Like the world is completely different. And if you are governing from a place of nostalgia, which, frankly, I also thought was kind of a little bit of a rub at Biden. Remember, Biden's been campaigning on this. Oh, yeah. Like, let's just go back to the good old days. Yeah. Right. Let's Let's just go. go, You guys can then go back to brunch and you don't have to talk about politics. Correct. And you can and you can just, you know, you can go back to doing what it was that before you became so completely attached to Twitter and the tickers Mm -hmm. and the news feeds to make sure that while you were at brunch, the world wasn't coming to an end. Mm -hmm. Um. But when Barack Obama said in his endorsement video, I wouldn't run the same campaign. You can't look backwards. We can only look forward. Forward. And this, the most diverse democratic field with the most thoughtful people, this is where we're moving. And Mm -hmm. I think that if I am Joe Biden right now, after I've had this very lit 72 hours of endorsements, I am now the nominee. I don't need convention. Most likely won't have one anyway. Um, Right you know, to anoint me, it's like now you need to pull together all of the best people, all of the best teams, right? Come up with a big, bold vision and roll that shit out along with your vice president pick as soon as possible. Right. But I think we also, and I agree with everything you've said, I think we also just need to be honest, though, about some of our friends within the Democratic Party. Yeah. Who actually are just fine with the way things used to be, yeah. right? Because that limits women and people of color and women of color, especially having too much power and too much say. And I think that, you know, we got some issues within the democratic party when it comes to race and racism and understanding just how bad things are and just how unequal they are on a host of levels. And so that's that's a larger conversation. The problem is, when do we have it, right? We didn't have it during good times, and we, we kind of can't have it now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. But I'm like, but maybe we could, right? I mean, we're all kind of home. We're captive audiences. But I don't know. I mean, this nation has never had that conversation because it was never a good time to have the conversation. And so my question has always been, well, when are we going to have it? Because we actually can't ever move forward until we have that hard conversation. Yeah, you're right. And I don't think a lot of our good friends in the Democratic Party are willing or capable of having that conversation. Well, we're going to need to. And that's why you and I continue to talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because exactly. we go, we exactly. go need to have that conversation. Dr. Christina Greer, thank you so much, as always, for joining. I love Woke talking AF Daily. to you. I absolutely do. And so, hey, listen, let's just pray for our democracy every day. Every and day. It's a work in progress. It is a work, a work in, progress. in progress. Thank you, friend. Okay, have a wonderful We still have power, and I need people to remember that. I need you not to lose hope. We have an election that is coming, and no, is our candidate perfect? No, he is not. But is he the devil? No, he is not. He is a decent, hardworking patriot that has put himself and his family on the back burner for much of his life in order to better America. That's the kind of leader that I want in the White House. That's who I want ushering me through 
these dark, dark Corona times. Does Biden have faults? Absolutely. Are any of them anything in comparison to what Donald Trump is doing? Absolutely not. So I don't want to have debates about what kind of candidate we should have had. I want to talk about who's in the White House right now. All right, folks, that is it for me today on Woke AF Daily. As always, I will be back tomorrow. Make sure that you are subscribed or tell your friends to subscribe to PM Mood wherever they get their podcasts because you will receive Woke AF Daily every single day that we have a show free for the next three weeks. It is my stay safe as fuck quarantine special. So get into it and share, 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 share. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home.